Hello again, listeners. It's another Daily Canon Weekly podcast. Uh, God knows what number we're up to now. We're sort of approaching 220 or something like that. Either way, we'll uh, no doubt have some generous anniversary to uh, celebrate when we hit a round number. But we're not anything to do with that right now. We're to do with two games in a week, two wins in a week, although possibly slightly more stressful than <laughs> we hoped for when we look forward to them in the previous podcast. Uh, joining me to run down all that and everything else that's been going on is all the way from Croatia is, of course, Anita Sambol. How are you, Anita? Hello, hello, Matthew. Yeah, that's, that's well said. Two wins in a week, but, you know, the feeling is not like it, it has been two wins in a week. <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose... It's ironic, isn't it? Because one of the big things that everyone's been complaining about Unai Emery's Arsenal, and you know, there's been a lot of fans on Twitter, is about how boring we are. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not sure that applies at the moment. I mean, it may not always be the most beautiful football, but seriously, how long has it been since we actually had a boring game? <laughs> Probably the opening <laughs> day of the season. Definitely fun for neutrals to watch. I mean, I, I see comments on on Facebook and everything saying, "Oh yes, yes, yes." All, all, always very entertaining and fun to watch, and you never know what will happen. Yeah, that's true, but <laughs> it sucks for us. <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, yeah, as as alluded to, it's certainly been a an interesting week. Um, I mean, obviously, we entered the week having had our. Um, well, collapse against Watford, which obviously we had our post-mortem about last week with, with Paul. Um, and this is a strange week where we've won twice, scored six goals, but does it really feel like we've played that much better at, at, at times? I mean, at times we've played very well, but at times we've been all over the place as well. But um, yeah, very strange. We'll, we'll start at the start, although uh, obviously, listeners, you may already have... Uh, want to move straight into the Aston Villa game, but we're going to touch on 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 the on the Frankfurt game simply because uh, you can say what you like about how convincing the performance was or whether they or precision had chances, but that was a really really good win against a dangerous team who, uh, in, for those who don't know, uh, took a point off Dortmund uh, at the weekend, who are obviously high flying in Germany. Um, so, what what did you make of the Frankfurt game? Firstly, what did you think of the lineup? Uh, obviously, the selection of Aubameyang was, uh, how can I say, controversial. Uh, <laughs> although I don't really see what option he had. But what did you make of the lineup before we get into the game itself? Well, I was I was happy to see some some youngsters getting chances. We have mentioned that before that Europa League will definitely be a chance for them to get some minutes, and it was really great to see Saka starting. And yeah, Aubameyang not really thrilled to have him start, and even more have him play ninety minutes. <laughs> but it was I think it was a interesting interesting lineup from Emery, and I was glad that he went went that way. I was a bit worried before when he said about Mesut Ezra and everything in the, the, the day before the, the lineup and everything, but it turned out okay in that in that way. Yeah, I mean the Ozil thing is obviously quite odd because you know he's resting him uh, for the game at the weekend for which he doesn't pick him <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. bring him off the bench. And I mean resting him after seventy what seventy seven minutes played whole season just. Yeah, it's it's so obvious that he doesn't like him, but can't say that he doesn't like him. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, there is, there are definite 
issues with the compatibility between Mesut Ozil and Emery's preferred uh, tactical structure, which was sort of exposed against Watford, even though Ozil didn't actually play badly in that game. was actually one of our better players and, and was very tidy on the ball and helped create a goal with a wonderful pass and what have you. But it, it seems that Basically, Emery does not know how to make a team work with a Mesut Ozil style number ten <laughs> in it. Because um, it yeah, seems like uh, continuing the problem that Wenger had in a few of his last months. Yeah, but all, but you, but that was partly down to personnel because we saw that when Wenger had the players, you know, had a better selection of players at his disposal, Mesut Ozil did rather well for us. It has to be said. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so obviously we, we had a Bamiyang up front, which was uh, probably the result of the fact that there was no one else to play up front, unless you want to start wheeling out 17 and 18 year olds with barely any under 23 football uh, behind them, who I imagine we might see in some of the home games, but this was always going to be the hardest game in the group, don't you think? Yeah, it definitely seemed like that when you look at the Frankfurt uh, home form in mm. the Europa League, they haven't lost for what? since last year, something like that, or even before. Even before, yeah. yeah. Even before. And I did expect a win because, you know, we are the Arsenal. <laughs> but I didn't expect it to be like that. And the way the match started, I was thinking, we are wasting chances. I mean, Smith Rowe had some, a chance. Uh, Torreira, with what, inside first few minutes, had a chance. And I thought, wow, will this be yet another match like that? But yeah, I think that the the result, the finish result, three 0 is a bit better than the performance was, especially in the first half, and uh, that was really I was really frustrated, and I think many many of the Gunners were as well. But yeah, it's definitely great to see the team winning in the end, as as it always is, and the performances of the of the youngsters that got the chance. Saka was just. Really great for for someone like me who doesn't watch as many under twenties in even under nineteens, uh, eighteens, where he can play mm. as well. Yes, I mean we'll get onto Saka in a bit more detail in due course. Um, but it was a funny game because if you were sort of when you're talking to people on Twitter, there was a you know we Frankfurt did create chances. I mean they're they're famously an incredibly attacking team and they and they have a very attacking lineup. Um, Philip Kostic. Yeah, and Kostic is a is a is is always a dangerous player. Uh, thankfully, he didn't quite have his shooting boots on; otherwise, he he could have easily got a, a goal or two in in, in the game. <laughs> but a, again, I think people were looking at it as as people often do these days through their sort of negative tinted glasses, or kind of complaining about you know we were lucky to get a win. They had they had you know decent chances uh, and then you sort of roll through the chances that we didn't score in the game. Yeah. You know, you, as you mentioned, Torreira hits over from about nine yards out. You had Smith Rowe clean through, saved by the goalkeeper. You had um, Saka sort of having a half chance. You had Willock putting that one wide, which again was sort of closer in than the penalty spot. You had Aubameyang miss two very very easy chances in the second half but um the fact is is we we created not just a num like a good number of chances but also really good chances um 
there were there were easily yes we could have easily conceded three but we could have easily scored seven <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's the plan this season huh? <laughs> it seems that way yeah i mean for, uh, this is what was this is what sort of what i'm alluding to at the top of the top of the podcast you know everyone's comparing unai emery to uh, as, a, as, as a negative manager and i've even heard people on my timeline today saying that he's a bit like a crap Mourinho. Uh, <laughs> and i said well why is it then the football is like a or the results are a bit like Kevin Keegan at Newcastle, you know. <laughs> there seems to be very little attempt for us to play any sort of defensive structure in midfield in any of these games. So uh, it means there's chances of plenty. Um, yeah, in 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 most of matches this season, it seemed like at the moment that our midfield was completely gone, <laughs> that you know players could just walk straight through and go and have some a few shots as we've seen <laughs> against Watford and even against Aston Villa where I think we outshot them late in the second half. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we'll certainly get on to that because that's, that's the whole <laughs> Sorry, I, I keep jumping around. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the, the there were a lot of interesting different elements about the Frankfurt game from an Arsenal perspective. Um, I mean, yes, the fact that they didn't convert any of their chances, but Part of that was down was was down to uh, Emiliano Martinez, who yeah. you know has fresh off the back of saying how he thinks he's good enough to be the number one and wants to wants to take the number one shirt from Bert Lemo, uh, puts in a very good performance. What did you make of his his uh, impact on the game? Yeah, I think it, he did really really well, and I mean I half expected it because he was really good at, at uh, Reading last season, and mm. it helped them uh, a lot. And yeah, definitely good to have a goalkeeper like him, especially when you see Leno doing great as well. And, you know, Emmy kind of putting a bit of pressure on him from, mm. from the bench and playing in cups. I think that's really, really a good, good thing. I think he had, what, seven saves or something like that in the stats after, after the match. And mm. definitely good, good goalkeeper to have on the bench. Just, you know, just step in. You don't have to wait him to kind of, you know, warm up your matches and anything. If anything happens to Len, I think we are definitely in a good position. Well, as also uh, what was also positive as a comparison to last season, uh, and this is not to decry Petacek at all, who's obviously a very fine goalkeeper, even towards the end, some aspects of his game were still very, very strong. But Martinez is more of a similar type of goalkeeper to Leno. Uh, he's certainly very comfortable with the ball at his feet, uh, a good distributor, um, generally sort of proactive, likes coming off his line. Um, you know, these are the things that Petr Cech was not necessarily so strong at, despite his positioning and his aerial ability. And so it means our relationship with our goalkeeper and our defenders can be a bit more seamless, I think. Yeah, it was definitely... Sh- shown in Frankfurt all, all the things that you mentioned he was great at jumping for the ball and he started that uh, move for, for the goal mm. when passed the ball to Chaka and it's, you know it, it sometimes looks so so easy <laughs> well also we, I'm sure you noticed as everyone else did that uh, this was a game in which we didn't indulge so much in fanning around in our own six yard <laughs> books from goal kicks <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it was Mustafi starting mm. uh, in the in the defense, and it has to be mentioned he did really well. I mean, clean sheet. You can't go much against him in that in that case. 
Yes, and, and apart from a couple of occasions where he was sort of appealing wildly for offside when no such thing was even remotely plausible, I thought his... Classic, Yeah, classic, exactly. But I, <laughs> I, I, I thought his performance was, was pretty positive throughout, quite apart from the fact that the, the defence didn't concede. But he seemed to... Uh, Seem to be playing with a slightly greater degree of calmness than we saw at the back end of last season, <laughs> um, which is which is not hard to achieve. Um, and uh, Emery obviously made a point of saying that you know he's here, so we'll use him, even though Mustafi knows exactly where he stands and said pretty much so in his in his interview after the event, didn't he? That he's yeah. open to leaving, but he's not going to just go anywhere because he's got his wife and kids to think about which is in, entirely reasonable yeah, um, exactly. and at the end of the day even if we don't really want to use him a more relaxed and uh, less panicked Mustafa is a positive addition to this squad because there will be times that we need him particularly while Rob Holding is still getting back up to speed and while Callum Chambers, as he did at this game, uh, <laughs> uh, has to fill in at fullback, uh, which was a nice yeah. I think that he was the only one in defence actually struggling, but it's totally understandable <laughs> because it's not his position at all. Not really, and also Kostic is a fine wide player. Um, I yeah. mean, he was he had the misfortune to be having his first game at fullback in some time, which is not his position against the opposition's best player, uh, <laughs> most dangerous player. So, um, yeah, he had a hard time in the game, but got better as the game went on, I thought. Um, created those two chances for Aubameyang, one of which was, how the fuck did he miss that? Um, so, and obviously, as it turned out, it was, it was very useful preparation for Callum for when he was needed <laughs> at the weekend. Um, obviously, on the other side, Klasnach had to play because, hey... There are no other left backs. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously, Xhaka played in midfield. I mean, do you think that's primarily just to provide some experience alongside the alongside the younger players that were playing in the team, or because lest we forget, Torreira is still only twenty three, although we think of him as a senior player. Um, I, I mean, it seems it seemed to me like Torreira was playing. Too far up front for the most of the match. He was definitely playing in a, in a sort of box-to-box role that it seems that Emery prefers him in than as a defensive um, defensive midfielder. He's sort of doing the doing the uh, Kante thing from last year. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I mean, we have all seen how ma- how much Emery likes likes Jaka, obviously, mm. him as one of or if if not the only captain. We are still not sure about that. And he did okay. I mean, he he usually does okay, you know, just enough. So he doesn't go like three or four out of ten rating uh, against Frankfurt as well, just like he did against Watford. That that uh, it was free kick, I think, where he hit the, yes. the woodwork. That was just classic Chuck as well. He, I, I'm really not sure what's... The big plan about him, obviously, yeah, he, he is a bit older. He, but he's still only twenty-seven. It's not like mm. you know he's in his thirties and providing his knowledge to 
players when you see when those is sometimes you know making better decisions and looking better on the pitch than than Jaco. Well, it's, I mean, Jack has obviously taken a lot of stick this week. And again, we'll touch on that when we talk about the Villa match. Um, but for me, it makes perfect sense to play him in the Europa League because given that his greatest weaknesses are, are mobility and playing and sustaining physical intensity um, and and not very good at being exposed in one-on-one situations with people running at him. European football is a much better fit for him because the pace is generally a little slower. And we yeah. saw we saw that we've seen the last two years that Xhaka has been pretty impressive in the Europa League. And I thought against Frankfurt, again, he was good. Uh, got stronger as the game went on, I thought. Um, and in, in that situation, he is a very valuable player for us because... He does have a tactical know-how, which is not necessarily always helped by his lack of individual um, <laughs> defensive skill, shall we say. If not, he has, but he has a tactical know-how. Know-how. He has a certain degree of positional sense, and um, when the pace of the game isn't too high, he's very good at, at dictating the tempo. So I think in the Europa League. Uh, he should be nailed on to start unless he's also starting every Premier League game. Uh, and of course, the other advantage about Granit Xhaka is partly due to his lack of physical explosiveness. He doesn't get injured very often. Yeah. Uh, you know, sure. his, his fitness levels, if you want to call them that, or his levels of injury avoidance are very, very good, and particularly in comparison to some of the other players who have been competing in midfield positions for him in recent years, who have been, you know, dropping like flies. I mean, everyone loves Aaron Ramsey, but we all know that you can't play Aaron Ramsey 15 games in a row, otherwise his hamstrings would explode. Whereas Granit Xhaka, because he doesn't have an explosiveness to his game and isn't as mobile, he is much less likely to pick up muscle injuries and as such can keep just clogging along. Um... He's much more likely to be to get the yellow cards and red cards to miss the matches. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And maybe it's just his way of ensuring he gets a rest every so often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that definitely the European style of football, and especially in the group stage, will definitely fit him better. I'm not sure if he would be happy, you know, just to start those matches only. But I think that... After the match against Villa, definitely, we we as club as fans deserve to see how the team would look without Jaka starting the next Premier League match. I think part of the issue why Jaka also starts so much um, is is he's our only midfielder with any real size. I mm. mean, Gendouzi's not small, but you know, Jaka is the only midfielder we have who can win a physical battle. Uh, I mean, we yeah, saw him... stand his ground. Yeah, I mean, we saw him d- doing some very good pressing against Frankfurt, actually, to, to good effect. Um, but also, he's above six foot. He's a physically strong guy. And you take him out of the midfield and, who, and no one's bringing any of that. You know, they have lots of other qualities that he doesn't. And, and we all know that from previous experience of looking at other teams, Emery likes someone with size at the base of his midfield, uh, which is, well, I guess, is maybe also why Torreira is finding himself uh, as, a, as a more of a roving box-to-box midfielder or being pushed out wider in a diamond, um, because 
because of his lack of size, Emery does not want him being the, the deepest man in his midfield against certainly against certain opponents and probably more often than not. So that also gives Xhaka a, a relative value. I mean, it's a conversation I've been involved in quite a lot online because obviously he's been getting crucified from <laughs> left, right and centre. Uh, and I'm determined to kind of play the devil's advocate a little bit because I think... I think we all know that Xhaka is not good enough for where we want to be as a club, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have value to this team uh, because the things he is good at are things which not all the rest of our players are any good at. Um, and so I, I, think, uh, I, I think I'd think i be surprised if he's still the mainstay of the Arsenal midfield in two, three years' time. But I think for this season, people are just going to get accept the fact that he's going to play most of the games simply because we've got no one else that has the exact qualities that that the manager likes about him. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, yeah, that that's definitely my my thoughts about Jack as well. Because yes, he is so frustrating. He definitely should be better, should play better, should know better in certain moments during mm. the match. But I still think that, yeah, we we really can't play without him, especially Emery way. <laughs> well, it's also, uh, I mean, we can get onto the tactics and we will do probably after the Villa game. But uh, I was saying about this subject, it's also we, we see the impact of, Unai, of um, Arsene Wenger missing out on N'Golo Kante when he left Leicester. Because you stick Kante alongside Xhaka, your midfield looks completely fucking different. And Xhaka looks a much better player. Because then Xhaka gets to do the things that he's good at and doesn't have to do the things he's not good at because they're <laughs> all the things that Kante's good at. <laughs> and, and Is there another Kante? Well, I mean, people were making comparisons with Torreira, but Torreira doesn't have the same physical explosiveness or the ability to cover the ground quite so relentlessly. I mean, Torreira is a, a, a good player and will be very useful for us, but he's not at this stage at Kante's level and never be quite the same sort of player. Um, I mean, you know, the joke was, of course, when Kante was at Leicester that he was two midfielders. So even though they were playing the same number of midfielders as you, they were always outnumbering you. Um, <laughs> I mean, looking elsewhere in the Frankfurt game, obviously, we do have to talk about the kids. Yes. Uh, so, Emil Smith-Rowe had his first game back. You uh, could have seen that it was his first game back. Yeah, a bit rusty. Didn't seem to quite yeah. have his full pace either. Um, Still un- a good, good chance. And unlucky not to score. It was actually a good save by the goalkeeper. Normally, yeah. normally that technique of putting it low, close to the goalkeeper's feet, when a throw on goal is normally a very effective way to score, but unfortunately Kevin Trapp read his intentions on that one. Um, but he faded as was expected he would, given that he's barely played uh, since since about February or January last season. Uh, now he's just come over his hip injury. Um, but then we had obviously slightly more exciting uh, things the further forward you go. So uh, Joe Willock, I mean, what did you make of his performance? Continuing with his good form over over this season, really good to see him play and really exciting to have a play, young player like that. I think that he did really well for for the goal. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what else? I'm just continuing with his good good games over this season. 
I mean, it's it's interesting because he's very quickly getting to the point where we're not really thinking of him as a young, promising kid, but of just like a, a squad option. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is obviously a great sign for him. And, and it seems like he jumped into that pretty fast over over the summer after the good preseason. Yeah, I mean, uh, those of those listeners who, like myself, follow the under-23s will, will have noted that last season, at some point last season, relatively early on, he took a real step forward at that age group. He went from being just a good midfielder to being, you know, someone who was a regular goal threat, having major impact on games at that level. And obviously, he didn't get many chances in the first team, but he had that, he had those... Uh, he got a little look in here and there in Europe, and of course he got those goals in the cup competitions, which must have done wonders for his confidence. Um, and then obviously he had his little cameo in the Europa League final, and, it, and, and that sort of announced him to Arsenal fans in a new way, I think, because we'd seen him in the first team the year before being a player that you could see had some nice touches and had you know, some good qualities, but looked not, not remotely ready. And you yeah. saw and you saw him in the Europa League final. And you could tell you you could still tell he wasn't quite there because he didn't make the most of the opportunities he created for himself. But he, you know, suddenly you thought, oh, hang on a minute, this kid is better than we thought he was, and that, that was the general consensus. And and as you say now, he's pretty much showing that, isn't he? Week week in week out. Yeah, I still haven't removed him from my fantasy team. So. <laughs> now that the <laughs> ultimate vote of faith. <laughs> there we go. Well. <laughs> I hope he's listening to this. Um, <laughs> that's a high accolade, young man. <laughs> I think that he's my only Arsenal player. Ah, okay. He was he was cheap, and you know the season started. He was playing all the time and doing well. Didn't get cards and or, or anything. Yeah, I think go. Let's go for it. Now he just comes on from bench and to mess my team. Okay, he's still okay. And then, and obviously, he scored a goal. A bit lucky with the deflection. Um, well, you sometimes have to have some luck. Well, you know, it n- never hurt Frank Lampard. <laughs> uh, and obviously, you have to be getting into those positions in order to score those goals, which he did a, a number of times in the game. Um, but of course, the final word really has to go to uh, Star, yeah, the man of the match. Exactly, man of the match, the uh, Kaiyusaka, who. Uh, He's only just eighteen. He's not. It's yeah. not just that he's eighteen. He's only just eighteen. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that Dan mentioned playing two ranks over his his age, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's I mean, something you you know, like just like with Guendouzi, you have to remember that he's still so 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 young that even you know some little mistakes that perhaps he did against Frank would you know maybe someone else would react better or something like that. Mm. but he's just so young and I mean first start first goal two assists just does it get better well um, and, and what, <laughs> what I found was really impressive about him as well is he seemed to learn during the game as well uh, mm. there was a couple of times early on where his, his decision making was a bit off there was a time he could have played a Bamiyang through but then took too long and then lost the ball another time he waited until someone was offside and he, he, he very much like a young guy trying to find his feet but yeah. then as the game went on he became quicker and more decisive in his decision making um, 
to the point where you know the first 10 minutes or no first five minutes uh he looked a bit like a kid in a in an adult team then he put in that cross for Torreira which Torreira should have scored from and then he slowly got better and then of course by the second half they were just scared of him you know he was terrorizing them you know and as well as the two goals and the assist let's not forget he created two other great chances he, in fact he created five chances in the match which is one of the highest numbers of chances created by any player in the opening weekend of European football uh, in, in terms of continental competition and he also was the guy that that got their guy the second yellow card <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely a match to remember for him I think he was in the Europa League team of the week quite right so, too um, yeah. and um, as a first goal goes that that was pretty sexy wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> just fantastic so like he's you know five or six years older yeah really fantastic way to open your account at Arsenal <laughs> yeah yeah um, and also what's nice about it is it's a different type of goal to like those of us who've seen him you know playing in the 23s or at least the highlights in the 23s he scores lots of different types of goals, but I had never seen him score a goal like that one before. Oh. So that's kind of quite exciting because it shows there's even more there. Um, mm -hmm. And his rate of progress over the last two years has been really impressive. And, and maybe part of it is down to the fact that it's quite well documented. He's a clever kid. You know, uh, the, the stereotype of the footballer is always the guy who, you know, want, wishes he could leave school at 14, doesn't really pay attention in classes. Uh, whereas they were talking, I had some interview and when, when they had the interview with Mertesacker and some of the young players and Mertesacker and saying he's quite bright and then it turned out that Saka's got like loads of A-stars uh, and, and A's for his, only got A-stars and A's for his GCSEs. So, <laughs> um, and the only reason he hasn't been doing A-levels is because he's been, you know, playing in the Europa League. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah uh, really exciting and also exciting that on the back of that performance Unai Emery saw it fit to, to give him a chance against Aston Villa um, and you know particularly in the absence of Lacazette and also in the knowledge that we're going to have to rotate strikers there's a real chance for someone to make a, a claim for that left side of the attack and uh, it's it's sort of between Saka and Nelson as things stand as being the next man in, um, and you know what we've seen so far. Nelson's not been as bad as people have implied, but Saka has been the one that's made a sort of decisive contribution. Yeah, definitely outplayed him. He Nelson got a few more chances than Saka and didn't use them nearly as well <laughs> as Saka did. So it was great to see him getting the start against Aston Villa as well. And definitely a good good thing about Emery that as well, you know, to see that just like with Joe Willock and, and now Saka, that younger players do get get a chance. If they perform well, yes, there is a place for you in the first team and you might play a lot more than you have planned if you, you know, keep performing well. Well, it's also the way our squad is comprised at the moment. The manager hasn't got a great deal of choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, you know, you think of uh, Gabriele Martinelli. I thought mm. that he would get, get some chances, but not sure what happened there. 
Well, I think it's just that uh, Saka uh, was the next man in, as I say, and he had he's just performed really well every time, even in the, the under twenty three. He's had a good start to the season, uh, and he's you know in, in the I think he only played one or two games at that level, or even even if that. But he's basically ahead of Martinelli in terms of in terms of exposure to top level English football and, and, and consistency of performance and ha- has earned the right to to be uh, ahead of him as an option at this stage um, and uh, what I like about Saka as well is his game's really simple you know he um, he basically just goes down the wing and beats players and puts good crosses in or comes inside and takes shots. I mean, he's capable <laughs> of playing you know, through balls, but but basically his game's really simple. Um, and as a sort of a departure from so many players we've had in recent years who are all tr- after trying to make the golden magical unicorn play in the final third, you know. Like, <laughs> Saka's just like, well, I'm going to beat this guy and I'm going to stick this cross in to that area of the penalty area we've got two players as opposed to that where we've got one and play the percentages and I'm going to do that every t- and I'm going to try and beat the full back and do that every time and then if I've got a chance to come inside and take a shot then I'll do that but you know there's no great um, it, 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 he's clearly got the technical ability to do a wider range of stuff but he's pretty much just kind of going okay what's going to work uh, more or, or you know, so rather than trying to play that perfect 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 pass and therefore or shot, and therefore turning down lots of opportunities to do either. He seems to be quite willing, and, and again, this has been something he's shown at the age groups to, okay, well, if there's something which I know is a good idea, I'm just going to do it until it works. <laughs> um, a bit different than what uh, Nicola Pepe has been doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think Pepe's, well, we'll talk about him in a moment, um, but he's been struggling to cope with the pace of English League, and of course, we have to be patient with Pepe because... He's had a really short pre-season. Uh, he was playing in the African Cup of Nations. You know, um, yeah. if we had like a, if we had like a super duper squad, like a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or a Juventus, he basically we wouldn't have seen him until maybe this game. You know, <laughs> because he shouldn't he shouldn't be ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't mean this like you know like a dig on him. Or no, something. no, no. I didn't didn't think he did. But just you know, the how Saka keeps things simple and does the thing he has in his mind right away. I think that Pepe sometimes you know just keeps the ball too long or does one dribble too many, and I think it, it happened a few times already that he ran out of the pitch, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to wait for the per- perfect moment to cross the ball or maybe you know dribble around the player one more time. Yeah, that's in that way they are a bit different. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Pepe is obviously an interesting one as well because until two years ago he was a centre forward, or even a year and a half ago, and then got moved to being a right winger. And um, he's now still he's back to centre forward. <laughs> well, sometimes, yeah. But he's he's a player who's, despite his level of his his being a bit older and his transfer fee, is still kind of defining who he is as a footballer a little bit. I mean, we can see his immense talent, but he's still kind of working out exactly where he needs to be he's just got the talent to kind of certainly be have a great impact in France even with that uncertainty partly because he was playing in a system which 
which uh, played to his strengths a lot. Um, which sort of takes us on to the Aston Villa game because obviously he started in that one, and uh, uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> How would you even attempt to sum that up, Anita? I mean, I, I tweeted earlier today about it. How it's how I'm torn about about this match because you should be, you know, thrilled, actually happy because it's a fantastic win, three to win after you know being down, losing, and being with ten players against eleven. But yet, <laughs> <laughs> was it? <laughs> It's just oh oh my god! I, that first half and right up till until like fifty fifth or sixtieth minute, when Aston Villa just decided, yeah, we don't need to run anymore. We will just sit back and relax. Mm. That's when we started playing, and then things started looking a bit better. But until then, and even after that, you know, thanks to really great individuals like Gwendozi and Pamayang in uh, up front. We got saved uh, in the in the last few minutes, but uh, the whole match was just uh, a mess. Definitely fun fun mess for the neutrals, but hmm. excruciating for most of us. <laughs> yes, that's a very good choice of word. <laughs> I mean, for, for me, it was a slightly odd experience because uh, I I was uh, it was a friend of mine was having a, a sort of wedding celebration last night, so I watched the the first. Uh, 55 minutes of the game live (laughs) (laughs) and then had to watch the rest later having found out what happened so obviously I just saw it's you, it's you then (laughs) (laughs) yeah thanks (laughs) and it was kind of on the way to this event I was like frantically updating my phone every time I got Wi-Fi on the tube and uh, and, uh, yeah so uh, and I was trying to see if I could make it to the pub on the way to where I had to go to go to the last few minutes um, <laughs> and literally got to the uh, so I was just I'd just seen the you know the, the goals went in but I got them a little bit later and I got to the pub like literally when the final whistle went <laughs> um, and then had to go anyway um, so then I was obviously watching it later uh, in one of those catch up things it was kind of slightly weird because I'd had the experience of all the really shit bit in real time <laughs> and gone through all that negative emotion and then sort of picking up from there knowing what happened afterwards made it kind of a slightly odd and detached experience. Um, but obviously you went through it in real time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I really odd. I was watching on a stream because it wasn't shown on Creation TV and mm. the stream was late for like... 40, 45 seconds, something like that. And yeah, I got notification. The uh, Char- Charlie Watts on, on Twitter was tweeting about goals and everything. Then I had to, you know, wait and see how exactly <laughs> happened. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it was like, how did we concede from this to this <laughs> other side? Oh, just painful. Well, I have to admit, I, yeah, yeah I, that used to happen to me. So I make sure I now have notifications on my phone turned off during matches, and unless I can't watch it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can, that's really like good. Nick, my boyfriend was telling me turn turn the notifications off. I can't. I I, I was tweeting on Delicat, and I have to follow the manager. <laughs> 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 oh, I mean, just. 
So just so. when you think, when you think, oh wow, equalizer, one-one, yes, that that's it. That's the moment that will change it. You know, players will start playing better, focused, and everything. Oh, was it like one minute or two minutes between the goals? I mean, we have to say the first half was a fucking shit show, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Bulls at halftime, totally okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, it seems like yeah, the, the team can only play one half of any particular match. Um, yes. under, under Same as the last season. When we, we started like that, like that last season, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then finished the season not being able to play any halves. But... Um, <laughs> But in this game, it, 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 Villa were obviously, they came out to attack us knowing that our defence was weak and our midfield was, was not offering enough cover. Um, and they, you know, they, and crucially what they did is um, it was all about runners from central midfield for them, whether it be, well, the two players that influenced the game, most of them, Jack Grealish or John McGinn. Um, and I mean that goal, we, we'd been okay. They'd had a, they'd had a couple of sort of half chances, but we hadn't been too bad until that goal. It'd been a bit of a crap game, and we'd mm -hmm. had we, we'd had a couple of like half chances, uh, but no really good chances. Um, but the the opening goal we conceded was was just really bad. I was watching the highlights highlights <laughs> today on Arsenal player and the commentator said uh, Arsenal defense caught napping <laughs> and that's definitely what, what happened I mean no one was pushing him for a cross no one was marking the player in the middle I just yeah I mean you, you had Maitland-Niles Maitland not closing him down just sort of ushering him slightly inside you had Pepe doing his I really don't know how to play in any defensive situation <laughs> thing and just kind of running towards him and then running away from him and then you had the cross into the box which no one attacked and no one no tracked one. the runner no <laughs> uh, no I, I mean it was you know, I did obviously with the hindsight of what was to come or what happened soon afterwards there were lots of people in my Twitter timeline basically killing Maitland-Niles for that one but I said okay yeah he didn't close the cross down but you know, the rest of the defence and midfield were playing their own personal game of stuck in the mud. Uh, mm -hmm. And nobody knew who was, who was you know, who was it. <laughs> and then the, and the <laughs> apart from the Villa player who just ran through and scored. Um, yeah. I mean, it, that was kind of real, kind of like, holy fuck. <laughs> I, it's so easy, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was just kind of just bad, bad defending. Yeah, altogether. Mean, and it no wasn't... Saving. Well, that's the thing. It's like most of the goals we've considered this so far this season have been like individual errors. Or is that was a goal? <laughs> well, that was a goal that was like, ah, you're all shit. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone made an error. I mean, obviously, Ganduzi had no idea that the guy was running off him. Yeah. Uh, like, didn't even look to see no, when you look at the replay. Not. But then also. No one told him, <laughs> and no one else tried to do anything either. It was literally oh, after you. No, after you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Was... You're like like with with passes and shots sometimes. No, you should. No, no, please, you should. No, yeah. no, no, you should. That's yeah. Like yes, classic. On the other, on the opposite side. Um, and of course, by that stage, maintenance has already already been booked somewhat cheaply yeah. um, through that classic. Booking that is always a booking, even though 
the the defender's trying his best not to foul <laughs> but but you know the guy runs across you and your momentum goes and you know it's a very such a difficult situation for a defender once they get wrong side because you can't just let the guy go but then yeah. if you run behind him he's just going to he's just going to either slow down or cut across you so you end up taking him down um uh, or you know uh, but that's one that we know it's a yellow card even though I personally think it generally probably shouldn't be a yellow card <laughs> but it usually is given as a yellow card and then of course we had the second yellow card it reminded me really on that Coquelin incident <laughs> earlier in the week in the Champions League a bit but, uh, well, Co Cocklands was kind of like, I'm going to stick my studs into your leg. <laughs> but he, he he went for the ball. He got the ball as well. And, you know, the, the studs and, and everything was yeah. after that. Just like with uh, similar, I mean, similar to, to Maitland-Nats. I mean, for me, uh, I, I've seen, I mean, it's been really hard to get a really good angle of the replay. But I don't even think that's a foul by Maitland-Niles. No, he got the ball first and then... He got the ball the and the contact was fairly minimal and then the other guy stands on his leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, accident, he hobbled out. Yeah. Um, from, but then anyone who's following my Twitter timeline already knows what I think on this one. Uh, I, I think it's a case of, as we see so often, John Moss guessing uh, <laughs> because he can't keep up with play because he's not I don't know how he passes the fitness test because he is clearly the least fit of the Premier League referees and yeah didn't the, the referees also say that yeah there, I can't remember which one but there was a couple one or two of the retired referees of there was one that was very scathing that basically said he doesn't know what he, essentially that he's not, not remote not just not good enough and not fit enough and another one questioned his fitness um, but yet he keeps coming back every year and keeps guessing um, <laughs> If it was Jaka and not Ainsley Maitland-Niles, it would be direct red card. <laughs> well, of course, Jaka got his cheap booking, which actually was a cheap booking. Uh, yeah, I mean, I that mean that's was a as you were saying before, a classic, classic, <laughs> classic, classic, Jack. classic example. Uh, it was nothing was going for him in that match, and it was really good decision by Mary to sub him off. Yeah. Even though he said he, uh, he subbed him off because he played all the minutes, all the all the minutes in the Premier League, in the Europa League, and everything. Yeah. Well, what's okay. what the hell's what the hell's Emery going to say? He can't going to say, yeah, I took him off because he was playing he like was shit and he was going to get sent off. <laughs> I've just made him my captain, but you know, fuck him. <laughs> he, he can't do that. Well, uh, <laughs> imagine if he did come out <laughs> and say that. I mean, Emery would never say anything that obvious anyway because you generally can't can barely understand what he's talking about at the best of times. Um, and it's not that he doesn't have the, the, the linguistic skill now. His English is pretty good now and his vocabulary is very good, but he just explains himself in a way which is kind of... It's like it's like he's, yeah, doing like random words plucked together that they kind of mean that, but when you put them together, they don't really mean anything. Um, I think maybe it's, you know... Uh translating literally from yeah. what he thinks in head in Spanish then he says literally in English it's, it's I, hard I think you're right I think you're right I think he's got the vocabulary but, but not not the id oh, mind you also he's been learning English from Peaky Blinders apparently so I'm not sure that's helpful <laughs> <laughs> 
I've started watching that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's nothing wrong with the show, but it's not, it's, yeah. you know, it, it's not exactly Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it can be tough. Uh, not sure if you can speak other lang- languages besides English. Not to any useful level. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I have experience. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it, you get confused no matter how 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 good you know the language, how how well you are speaking it, how good your vocabulary is. Sometimes, you know, you think one thing in your mind, in your own language, and then it's hard to, you know, express it in a different language outside. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm entirely sympathetic to Naomi. Uh, and, you know, I'm never going to criticize him on a human level for that because, Jesus, that would be ridiculous for me to do so. But at the same time, it clearly is something that is an issue. Uh, I mean, frankly, what he says in press conferences isn't that important. And what we think about what he says is far less important than anyone at the club thinks about what he says, of course. Um, but it, it, it does mean that when, when we're trying to analyse what he actually thinks, it's it's even easier for him to hide what he thinks because because <laughs> of, of his inability to communicate in a really um, smooth manner in English. Do you think there's some truth in that in those rumours that were appearing last week that players don't even understand what he wants? Well, I mean, you had the Alan Smith story and people saying, "Oh, it's Alan Smith, ex-Arsenal player, obviously knows stuff." And then, and then the other counter argument was, "Yeah, but like he, the club don't really like him very much anymore. Mm-hmm. The only person he knows at all who's still at the club is basically Steve Bold, and Steve yeah. Bold's now working with the kids. So it's yeah. I mean, there's." I would say there's probably enough truth in it for him to be able to justify writing it, but I'm sure it's kind of, I'm sure he doesn't really know. Uh, But we did equally have Bukai Hosaka in that interview talking about how he likes it, Freddie being there, because he can explain things properly in English. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that wasn't really... (laughs) That was was actually much more damning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, got far away from Aston Villa. <laughs> so, well, get back to Aston Villa, exactly. So, it's it's half-time. We're 1-0 down and we're down to 10 men. What are you thinking at that point? <laughs> I mean, I have to admit, I was, I was there thinking, you know, also looking at social media, particularly once I started getting on the train and what have you, and uh, I'm thinking, fuck, this game's going to be a disaster and the manager could be in a little bit of trouble here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a few thoughts. I was looking at the live table and everything and thinking how I thought before Watford match er- earlier that if we win that one against the last team in the league, we will mm. get to top three, third spot. Yeah, I mean, amazing. And then Watford happened. And now losing to Aston Villa at home at halftime, we were 10th in the league table that was that was just oh my god <laughs> negative yeah. goal difference and everything and after the results uh, chelsea and united and spurs had before us it's just you know definitely as you said trouble trouble for for manager i, I mean head coach <laughs> well, if yeah. it continues like that but yeah and then when we came out the aston villa came like they need to score a few more goals. They were, you know, just going at it, attacking, running around, and it looked like they will definitely get the second goal before we get the equaliser for mm. a bit. 
yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously the equalizer came, um, and it did seem to be very much a case of you know from having what I watched later. I mean, you probably even even watching it live. Uh, sorry, even though you, we, I saw it later, you probably still got a better sense live of how Gendouzi was kind of like right trying to make up for his mistake and take the game by the scruff of the neck. Yeah, I mean, his first half was definitely not one of his good performances. No, no that's definitely fair. <laughs> he came out in the second half very determined to turn the things around and take, take stuff into his own hands, which is fascinating for a player who is 19 years old and playing his second season in, at the club in this league. Mm, mm, mm. It was just definitely deserved his man of the match at the end of the match. And obviously, that that little uh, movement <laughs> move <laughs> he made in, inside the the penalty area and the way he got the penalty was just like he is much much older than he really is. Well, also, I mean, it it was quite a stupid foul by the Villa defender. It was kind of. It was yeah, but he he made him do it. He was definitely going for that, and it was really very smart to you know get him to do that that fall. I mean, you can definitely see some of our all of our defenders doing the same on the other side if someone was you know running inside like that. Touche, touche. <laughs> um, and, and then the, the great moment, uh, Obama Young giving the ball to Pepe. That was just that's captain like. But, I mean, it's also very sensible because, we're, you know, we were saying in the summer, weren't we, when Pepe signed, that he's got this brilliant penalty-taking record. Um, I mean, his conversion rate of penalties is better than Aubameyang's. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yes, Aubameyang was the designated penalty-taker and, and let Pepe take it. But Pepe, judging by previous records, Pepe should be the penalty-taker. I mean, obviously... <laughs> The standard in the Premier League is higher than it is in France, and we'll see if that bears out uh, in the fullness of time. But were you confident he was going to score? Yes, I was. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> your confidence is well placed, um, as was the penalty, just just out of the reach of the diving goalkeeper. And that could be a big moment for Pepe. I mean, obviously it won't be as big a moment as if he, when he finally scores from open play, um, but it's a first goal for a new team in a, in a, in a victory. Yeah. And, and then, of course, at that point, I, I guess you're thinking, right, one all, even though we're down to 10 men, we could go on and win this <laughs> for about a minute or two. <laughs> <laughs> they could have scored from the kickoff. I yes. Mean. <laughs> I know, I saw that. <sighs> and the, and the, uh, the, the defending for the second Aston Villa goal, well, Chambers <laughs> gave the ball away in midfield inexplicably and then and then everyone else just decided to let Jack Grealish run past them <laughs> <laughs> that was the sound of me banging my head against the table listeners um, I mean yes we have to re remember that this wasn't Chambers position he, it was his second game playing there and he came on probably 90% unpl unplanned <laughs> yes so I'm not really, you know, putting that much blame on him. There was plenty of time for other players to stop 
really stop stop goal in the end and now I mean, I mean, I mean, even you know, even even once Grealish should run past his three opposition players, none of whom attempted to tackle him even before he got to the area, um, then then David Luiz was again culpable of not getting there quickly enough before the centre forward to uh, Wesley to to score the goal, uh, and I guess at that point you're feeling pretty dis- despondent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like you know the the roller coaster. You were just the highest up. So far, and then boom, back yeah. down. And anyway, no gentle inclines here. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully, Aston Villa thought, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, and they sat back. And obviously, um, given where the strengths and weaknesses of this Arsenal team are, letting us dictate things going forward is very much in Arsenal's best interests as opposed to putting our defensive midfield and defence under pressure, which is not so much in our interests. Um, I mean, we had to wait a little while for the second goal, but, yeah, I I guess you never would have expected that to be the source of it. (laughs) Go on, Chambers. (laughs) Yeah, and he scored it really well. Well, if, uh, first, I mean, it was actually, it was initially because it was a great ball to, to, to Genduzi to, to the back post, which Chambers tried to put in a cross first time, which was intercepted, which if it hadn't have been, would it have been an absolute tap-in for Aubameyang. And then, of course, the ball comes back to him. Not great defending from Tyrone Mings, but very delicate finish, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> and what was nice about it is he, he knew it was in from the moment he'd hit it. He started <laughs> It was just perfect. Um it was, a, it was that slightly sort of weird outside of the foot stabby finishes. He did, he did that sort of a couple of times for Fulham last season as well from positions where you wouldn't have expected him to be. Uh, so it's obviously a thing he's got. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I will, I'm really, really interested if he will get the chance like Saka did. You know, <laughs> performing well now in two matches and... We'll see if he. Well, given, get... given that Maitland Niles will probably be suspended for our next league game, I think that might answer the question. <laughs> no, I think Maitland Niles misses the League Cup match. Oh, is it? Oh, they, I thought they'd separated them out because they were talking about no. doing that. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, in that case, Chambers will get his chance very quickly indeed <laughs> on Tuesday night. Um, so, 2 2. Uh, what are yeah. you thinking now? It definitely looked a bit more optimistic, and I I thought that we definitely have them. I mean, you never know with Arsenal, but it it looked a bit very very much positive coming forward. We were constantly on them; they couldn't couldn't help themselves, and we were just yeah, it was definitely coming. And then not I didn't expect it to come from from a free kick. <laughs> No? I was, you know, expecting it to be like yeah. some kind of scrappy, you know, someone pushed the ball in, you need to see a slow-mo to see who did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, also the goal, uh, a free kick when he basically just took it to the side where the goalkeeper shouldn't really let a goal in from a free kick either. Yeah. Um, he, uh, sort of, uh, people were saying it was a bit of a knuckleball technique a la Ronaldo, but I don't think it really was. I think he just... Hit it very hard and fast. I in, think, I, and the goalkeeper so couldn't really see. <laughs> yeah, I think someone mentioned uh, on Twitter that perhaps Colin Chambers was helpful a bit mm. <laughs> in that in his position in the in the wall mm. that he was obstructing the view for the goalkeeper. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, and no also, one complained. And also Jack Grealish was trying to block it, but managed to sort of jump slightly out of the way trying to block it, <laughs> which only made the goalkeeper even more unsighted. And uh, those celebrations were pretty good, weren't they? Ah, <laughs> oh, the stadium exploded. I mean, yes, the stadium definitely felt that we are pushing, we are trying really hard to, to get the win, to first to get the equalizer, then to get the win. And I think it was really very loud in the last 20-ish minutes and mm. definitely helped the team. And then that explosion when <laughs> when the free kick went in, just, yeah, great, great thing to see. And celebrating with the whole crowd and everything. Just yeah. what you need from a home match. I mean, a number of people commented on the on the atmosphere towards the end of the game. And, and obviously, uh, there's that lovely clip of Danny Ceballos running down the touchline to jump into the <laughs> the bundle. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely great at celebrating. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. It's a nice little clip because you get to see the diff- they showed the, the reactions to the three goals, yeah. and it's in this clip that Arsenal put on Twitter, and and it's uh, you see the different personalities. So you got Sabias, who's obviously a bit of a madman, <laughs> uh, and and you got Özil, who is as always sort of calm, very understated, calm. <laughs> Slightly Clapping. awkward, yeah. You know, he's not. He, he, I mean, it's you know, apart from in really big moments, he's you know, he, he's German. Yeah, well, also, but <laughs> an introvert. You know, he, he's yeah. he, he's he's that's who he is. So that's him sort of point. politely clapping is, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he he doesn't really do the eye popping celebrations unless he scored an absolute wonder goal or if it's like you know. In the, in the last minute of the big match that he's been involved in, uh, his and, and I guess it must be hard for him with, with knowing that the manager is desperately trying to find a reason not to pick him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was also that lovely shirt photo uh, at half time as well that someone put on of uh, Emery sat at, and Lundberg had just fucked off and left him. <laughs> Yeah, it, it everything looked so awful at halftime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, social media was very much kind of people were. I mean, even after the game, but certainly at halftime, people were kind of like uh, uh, not quite placing bets as to how soon he'd been gone. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, em- Emery really needed that result, and he needs and that's some more good results in the near future to take because of something about that Watford game <laughs> broke. Like some of the support, I mean, the, the crowd had already been a bit mm, mm, with him anyway, and then after the Watford game, things really turned, um, and um, he, he needs some good results and some good performances, better performances certainly to to help win over the crowd again. I think. Yeah, I think that's the key because we did get good results over the last over this last week into two big matches mm. but still the performances were not good it's true and uh, i mean i was the one one of those who, you know got turned after after the watford and well even after spurs <laughs> perhaps uh, so i was getting some you know tweets support the manager mm. he he is good he we won we have good results and everything yeah but I'm definitely not enjoying watching Arsenal and haven't been for a while now. Mm. And I'm, I'm not sure if he will get me to enjoy them again. Well, I think I think we all know that whatever Emery Ball is and becomes, it's never going to be quite as aesthetically pleasing as Wenger Ball attempted to be and yeah. was for and was for, for a long, long time. Um, 
And it is a thing, isn't it? You know, Emery's first season was protected by the fact that the fan base had got desperate for a change. But now, but now the novelty has worn off. Now it's more difficult for him because the fan base has been developed to expect certain things, which were just like the good things about the Wenger era, um, that remained good things until pretty late on in the day. Um, and Emery is obviously so far hasn't lived up to those, and that's what the fans expect. Which shows that even though some of the older fans have, who particularly when they wanted Wenger out, were trying to deny it, Wenger has redefined the club because it's not as if Emery Ball is worse to watch than George Graham as football was in the last few years. Uh, you know, except this, you know, when we won the title under George Graham, the football was decent. But when we di- when we didn't, the football was shit, uh, <laughs> and the football is definitely better now than it was then. But the fact is, we had twenty odd years of Wenger trying to and often succeeding to get the team playing really attractive exciting football dynamic football um and that legacy has changed the club and and the clearest way to see that is the fans reaction to what is happening with Unai Emery I just remembered Wenger's quote from way back when the one if you eat caviar every day it's difficult to return to sausages well there you go (laughs) I mean, obviously it wasn't caviar <laughs> in the last few years with him. But, you know, still, you miss some of those things. And we do get get a glimpse, glimpse of that with Emery as well. I mean, Pepe's skills are just really great thing to watch. And some of David Luiz's balls up front are just, you know, going through the the whole team <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that just looks Okay, and I'm sure that playing from the back will start to look good once the players are used to it. And once but... they have the full-backs back, I think. <laughs> yeah, Cause exactly. Because at, mo- at the moment, we're playing out from the back, but no one wants to, but no one wants to pass the ball to Kolasinac because he's not very consistent in possession. And, and Maitland-Niles is not very good getting the ball with his back, you know, facing his own goal. Um, and the team... Wants to play out from the back, but doesn't trust its full backs to be good at playing out for the back, and has Socrates, who is not a great passer, <laughs> and so you're trying to implement some sort of stylistic shift with players that are not really suited to it. So yeah, definitely, Leno is the one most suited to that. <laughs> well, and of course, as you mentioned, David Luiz. Um, yeah. I mean, we we have to sort of just move away briefly from the the Villa game. Uh, just to talk about the fact that uh, Spurs and Chelsea lost and United yeah. lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was really surprised by the Spurs result because you know I, I wasn't watching. I was following on the flash score and I thought, yeah, that this will definitely be another easy win for them. Lucky win, lucky win mm. for them. But yeah, it was really good to see them drop some points. I was expecting Chelsea to lose. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. I mean, it turned out that Spurs, it looked like, as you say, it's going to be a lucky win, win, and then it turned out to be an unlucky loss, which is, you know, as an Arsenal fan, is what you want for Spurs. <laughs> it, it's time. It's yeah. happening. <laughs> um, you know, VAR once again going, oh, no, he's, he, he appears to have a few millimetres of DNA offside. So, <laughs> um, but very, very, very enjoyable. Very enjoyable. And, you know, 
dare we say it, Brendan Rogers, Leicester City uh, are definite challengers for for the top six this year. Um, you know, they they had the nucleus of a good team, and he's doing well with them, and they're really really good at their own ground. So they're going they're going to take the points off most teams this year, I think. Um, even us. Even no. well, even us potentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, and of course, Man United lost at a new, improved, reinvigorated West Ham United. Yeah, they looked really good. Who are currently seven points off better better than they were this time last season. <laughs> After only yeah, six also games. maybe candidates for for top top what six seven, along with Leicester. Potentially, potentially. I mean, West Ham are a very hard team to predict because they're so bloody consistent in themselves. So it's very hard to kind of work out how long things are going to go well for them because they do still have a lot of weaknesses in the squad as, as well as a few, as well as a definite improved strength. But they spent a fuckload of money last season, so it was always going to have some positive impact at some point. I hope that Emery will watch the match again, that West Ham against Man United, since we have them next. Yeah. Well, of course, Man United are managing to play... I mean, they're not quite as open as us, but they're playing even worse football than us. Oh, man, it's just <laughs> fun <Yeah>. to watch. <laughs> and, of course, now Rashford's picked up an injury, uh, yeah. which gives us just in time to play them, play them at their place for when they've got another 17-year-old wonder kid trying to break into the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about that, the Maybe our 17-year-old, 18-year-old will outplay him. Well, in, hopefully. He did in the Europa League, right? Indeed, indeed. Um, well, one was praised, like, I don't know, like a new coming on way of Wayne Rooney <laughs> something. To be fair, Saka got a lot of love, so I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain about that one. Because, <laughs> um, but also randomly from this weekend, uh, Alex Iwobi's Everton uh, have hit a bit of a roadblock after a, a good start to the season um, with him being on the bench, I think, this weekend. Which is kind of like, oh, but I thought he'd been good for them. A <laughs> um, little bit odd, a little bit odd. Um, we did actually have a question from last week, uh, which we didn't get to answer because the question arrived after we'd finished recording last week. But it's still a relevant <laughs> question because uh, we were asked um, basically wh how we thought uh, Kieran Tierney would do for the club from someone with a, with a vested interest. Um, I mean, what do you reckon? Given, given oh, I was happy to see him get uh, an hour. Was it 60, 62 minutes? I think uh, yeah. in the under twenty threes against Wolves. Alongside Hector, yeah, yeah, along with Hector, yeah. I think that he is definitely a bit uh, more more ready to step in the match than Hector. Obviously, different kinds of injuries, and he was out for for a lot less than than Hector and. I kind of expect him to be at least on, on bench against Forest in oh. the League Cup. No, I hadn't thought of that. that, that well, that would be very exciting if he could be. Um, even, I mean, even, even why if he not? Didn't come on, but yeah, not not start perhaps, but you know, on the bench perhaps. I think he. I mean, you probably saw him more in Celtic. You have been talking about him on podcast before. Yeah. So I let you. Be the judge if he will be good for us. I think that he can be much worse than what we have at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, the thing is, he's a very modern two-way fullback, very fit, uh, quick, good crosser of the ball, um, likes a challenge. The big thing is basically, can he get back to his full speed? Because he's had, as well as having this injury, he had a very injury interrupted last year because he, he had a different injury beforehand. So can he get back to his peak level? And then also, can he cope with the tactical challenges and the, um, uh, and the intelligence and quality of opposition at, uh, from an attacking level in the Premier League? Because, of course, for Celtic, he's been brilliant, but the quality of the players he's coming up against in Scotland aren't going to be nearly as good. Um, yeah. I mean, I've seen nothing to suggest that he would struggle uh, because he always played pretty well in European football for Celtic. But, of course, one can never be totally sure because we know that the Premier League is the most demanding league in the world. It's relentless. There's much more strength in depth. Every team's got decent players. Um, so that's, that's the question mark. But personally... I think if he can stay injury-free, he's going to be an incredibly successful and popular signing and could be our first-choice left-back for a decade. Um, that sounds really great. I've been, you mentioned popular. I think that fans are all really pretty much in love with him. Mm. <laughs> he likes to interact uh, on social media with fans and everything. And he seems like really good buddies with uh, Bellerin as well. So, and he's If he's good for Bellerin, he's good, good for me. <laughs> Touché. Um, he's also like a bullshit for his own as well, which is nice. Uh, he's pr really down to earth. You know, I like Celtic fans were enjoying and I enjoyed it in a way as well when he was sort of interviewed about, you know, on the, on the recent Arsenal, I put, uh, uh, Arsenal uh, YouTube video. Uh, he was sort of asked who his favourite players were and they're all Celtic players. Uh, <laughs> and then they had to ask him for a favourite Arsenal player before he said Thierry Henry. And uh, with favourite ground, Celtic Park. <laughs> all my favourite things are basically Celtic <laughs> because I grew, up in Cel I grew up in Glasgow. I'm a Celtic fan. I've played for them. So it's like, yeah, whereas, you know, you'd get a lot of players trying to desperately find a way to say oh yeah my favorite thing that i remember this thing when i was seven and he's just like nope <laughs> <laughs> celtic <laughs> yeah which and of course everyone gets it you know he our yeah. boyhood team and we all recognize that and you know like carl jenkinson of celtic huh? yeah only better, better. <laughs> yeah um the only other question i wanted to ask you about the aston villa game actually was just what were you remotely surprised with that it was Saka that came off for Chambers or, or were you disappointed? How did you feel about that when it happened? Well, at first it was like, oh, he's taking the attacking player off and putting a defensive player on. <laughs> but, you know, then I remembered, oh, yes, this is our defense. <laughs> and I think that he, eventually it turned out okay for, for the team and for everyone. Yeah, it was sad to see Saka go because he has looked okay. He didn't do anything wrong, but sometimes, you know, just have to... Well, he nearly scored the great right-footed shot, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That was very nearly nearly getting... That was just, you know, be a bit too much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. After the match he had against Frankfurt and then now this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like that when you get the, the, the red cards, someone has to be sacri sacrificed and... This time, I think it, it worked okay. Yeah, it's always the left winger. Poor old Bobby Perez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> um, 
Also, just one, just before we wrap up, I uh, just going to say that for those of you who are interested in the women's and the youth teams, uh, Arsenal women won five nil in the Continental Cup match this weekend. Flat, uh, hot on the heels of having beaten um, Man United's women one nil in Manchester the week before. Well, that was a winner from Daniel van der Donk in the last couple of minutes in a game that Arsenal sort of dominated. And I the... watched that one. Oh, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I was watching with my boyfriend. Ah, uh, uh, yes, got to keep the rivalry so, yeah. going. Yeah, Definitely good one. <laughs> <laughs> May it repeat next week. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, the 5-0 victory was a... Uh, was was a pretty foregone conclusion, but it was the first Arsenal hat trick for Beth Mead, who is a much improved player who is really uh, playing at a very high level at the moment, which is good for her. And then in the youth levels, uh, the under eighteen sadly lost six three to Brighton yeah. uh, due to basically being totally incapable of defending. Which is, <laughs> Where have hmm. we seen that? Huh? I mean, they do say it's good to have your youth teams play like your first team. <laughs> So it's, uh, it's a DNA. <laughs> exactly, we're, we're, we're right there. We're right there. Um, and the uh, the under twenty threes drew two all with Wolves. I think it was. Yeah, very unlucky. With uh, yeah, in a game that they should have won comfortably. Um, in the last minute. Yeah, uh, but more goals for Flo Balogun, who is basically a. Younger Eddie and Ketia, <laughs> like, <they've got, laughs> like their goal scoring records at, uh, at the youth levels are very, very similar, and they're very similar stylistically in terms of players. So um, you know that's nice to know. There's people on the production line, and both assists came from his strike partner Tyrese John Jules, who people have heard me talk about on this podcast before. So good pairing, good pairing, good pairing indeed. Very complimentary players. And the only other thing I wanted to mention is a, is a, a little thing which uh, was picked up by Daily Cannon. Of course it was. Bastion <laughs> of good news. Uh, this one was picked up by Dan. Uh, but that uh, Spurs in the calendar year 2019 actually have a worse away record than Arsenal, which means they've actually got the worst away record of any team that's played in the Premier League in both those two seasons. So apart from the teams promoted or the teams relegated, Spurs have the worst away record. Oh, but they they nearly won the Champions League, Matthew. I know, and they've got a DVD book, a book, a book as well as a DVD. Oh. I mean, God. Oh. I mean, wow. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing quite like charting glorious failure. Um, I think it's called One Step to Glory. Or yeah, One yeah. Step from Glory. Yeah. Oh, wow. Big step though, wouldn't it, fuckers? Ha! <laughs> 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 anyway you can always laugh at Spurs thankfully yeah a gift that even when they're doing well still find a way to give uh, <laughs> also just another thing uh, do, who, do we reckon Liverpool are going to win the league <laughs> <laughs> I mean despite the fact that Man City decided to make our result against Watford look even fucking worse <laughs> the worst thing of course is Watford nearly equalised at 1-0 <laughs> I mean, I was just getting notifications, you know. Ping! <laughs> yeah, like, what even is happening? Are they even there? Yeah, it was like it was like five nil after seventeen minutes. <laughs> I was thinking this could get really ridiculous. <laughs> um, Hopefully, they will refund their fans. <laughs> uh, uh, but yes, Liverpool keep rolling on. Six wins from six. 
five points clear. So uh, it's that weird thing as in knowing that we cannot challenge for the title, we sort of have to be hoping that the evil oil-funded uh, f- fake football team from Manchester can <laughs> can find a way to stop the the scow celebrations that will be unbearable. <laughs> I don't think there is a, a way out of this. <laughs> I'm just yeah. I, I love the fact it has to be something you know really big, really serious happen to them to to collapse. And I mean, it it, it is still only September, <laughs> but you know when you see them, yeah, it's just really good team <laughs> we have to be realistic uh, I mean you know, just looking at the goal differences this is after six games so Arsenal's goal difference is plus one yeah, yeah. which is uh, which is slightly better than Chelsea's which is minus one Man United have got a plus two goal difference Spurs are the third best team in the country with a plus four goal difference Liverpool's is plus 12 and Man City's is plus 18 <laughs> I think I think we know, I think we can remain confident that the top two will stay the top two. No. <laughs> anyway, just before we finally wrap up for good, uh, Forest League Cup game. Ooh, yeah. What do we reckon? It's at home. Yes. Uh, I, I guess it's like guess what the team's going to be, really, isn't it? I hope that there are lots of young players. Amy Martinez, obviously, in goal. The one obvious choice I have, <laughs> probably Mustafi starting in the defense again. Yeah, I would say. Holding, that. hopefully, as well. Or, or Mavropanos, because he returned to the 23s this week, so it depends on where they feel they are, respectively, with their injuries. Yeah. It's a possibility. Um, up front, I really hope that we will get to see Martinelli in some some way, some form, because I think that he, he was okay when he got to play and... You know, just feeling like he, he's being left behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure he'll get minutes simply because uh, we're going to have to play someone up front, <laughs> and we don't want it to be Abamia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please, no Abamia. <laughs> Let the man rest. Maybe Ezra will get this chance. Who? Sorry. Maybe Ezra will get a chance <laughs> in the midfield. You know, he has been so rested. Well yes, rested the very well rested Mesut Ozil. <laughs> He'll be on the bench. <laughs> and he brought on for the last five minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely going to see a young young player. But I have been looking up uh, Nottingham Forest and their form, and they have only one loss in the last ten matches. Yeah, I know. They've, it's, it's an interesting one because Forest have been basically pretty rubbish for the last few seasons, quite chaotic. But, they, yeah, they've, they've stepped it up for sure. Um, they're definitely performing at a higher level than, than they have done for uh, the last two or three seasons. I mean, it's early days yet, obviously. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's not a gimme, as it might have... Mind you, we lost them in the FA Cup not long ago, so what can we say? <laughs> but, yeah, they're, they're in the playoff spots, which, given where they've been in recent seasons, is pretty good for them. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're... I just realised that Ben Watson scored the winner for them this weekend. Is that the same Ben Watson who scored the winning cup goal for Wigan <laughs> or against Man City? Remember him, who started no. out in the Arsenal youth team but, but didn't make, never made never made the grade. No, I don't. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> someone maybe someone listening will. Uh, and then, of course, after that, uh, I mean, we'll probably be recording 
uh, around the t- well, just before the game. But we've got Man City, Man United, Man United, Man United not Man City. Gosh, Man that'd, be, that'd be terrifying. Whereas Man United presents an opportunity at <laughs> Old Trafford. Um, <laughs> yeah, that one will be fun. It could be, you know, the last sh- last drop for for either of the of the coaches <laughs> of, of the managers. <laughs> Battle of the condemned. <laughs> we'll see, you know, like who can be worse in in defense and less efficient up front. <laughs> well, the one thing we can say is, uh, although our defense might be even worse than United's, so far this season our strike force has been better. Yeah. Um, and we can if, always rely on Aubameyang, right? And if Rashford's going to be out, uh, that only makes things better for us because he's a player that gives us problems. I mean, obviously they might have... I don't know if Anthony Martial's going to be back or not. Uh, obviously, from a selfish perspective, I hope not because he's very inconsistent but very dangerous. Um, yeah, and then, well. Yeah, because Pogba didn't play at the weekend either. No, no, no. He's, he was injured still. Okay, well, I mean, that would be good if he <laughs> remains injured. Uh, Let them rest, you know. Take the time. <laughs> yes. Get back to your old self. <laughs> <laughs> Not on Monday. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, I hope for a win. It's time. Yeah, because we, I mean, really, we've had enough games of going to Old Trafford and, like, being in better form and having a stronger team and not winning in recent seasons. Uh, and it's time we sorted that shit out. Uh, although I am particularly enjoying the fact that uh, Solskjaer is doing his best to continue the recent theme of United of waiting till you get a long contract and then managing like shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, have to be realistic here. Solskjaer is not their problem, their biggest problem at all. So <laughs> they have much bigger pl- problems up there. <laughs> well, touche, touche. Uh, at, at least, at least our executive structure appears to be cohesive now. <laughs> yeah, uh, we but... went, we did our improvements from from you know behind the doors up to up front. So I think we handled that much better than they did. I mean, ours was a bit chaotic, but at least it kind of happened. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I think that's probably quite enough to be getting on with. This is going to be quite a long one anyway, which is not surprising given that it was a mental week with two very interesting games with interesting factors about them to discuss. Um, But we'll stop now because this is even longer than a full tube journey, even if you're commuting from from one side of London to the other. So there's nothing much for me to say except for let's hope we get two more wins this week. And to be able to be speaking to you next time with... With uh, Well, two more wins on, under the belt would be very, very pleasing indeed. And to thank you listeners for staying with us. Of course, if you want to get in touch, get in touch with us at Daily Cannon on Twitter. That's at Daily Cannon on Twitter. If you've got any questions, you've got anything you want us to do any research about, if you want to find out any more about any, say, of the female players or the young players or, or even any of our potential transfer targets as we start getting close to the time of actually thinking about such things as the season goes on, um, do get in touch. Um... We're going to have uh, some new guests joining us, uh, some special guests joining us at some stage in the month of October. We're just trying to fix exact dates with them, but they've got a couple of people lined up for that. So stay tuned for more of that. And nothing else to say except for thank you once again, Anita. Uh, yeah, it was fun. For joining me on this one. And thank you, <laughs> listeners, for listening to me and Anita. Take care, <laughs> everyone. You. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>